Hello and welcome to the Exorcism Podcast. If you are looking to get really good at programming, then this is just the podcast for you. Being a phenomenal programmer is about so much more than just knowing a coding language. It's about being able to solve problems, understand the best tools to solve the problems with, and think things through with clarity. Well, hi everyone, and welcome to the Exorcism Podcast or live stream. My name is Jonathan, and I'm privileged to be your host today. And I'm joined by Eric, who is part of the Exorcism team and has been involved for a number of years. If you've been in the Exorcism ecosystem at any point in the last couple of years, you've more than likely come across Eric somewhere along the line. But Eric, it's awesome to have you on today's show. Uh, I'm excited to find out a little bit more about your story and how you ended up in tech and some of your perspectives on different things uh, in the tech scene. But before we kind of dive a little bit too deep into those things, I'd love you to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a background, a little bit of a story as to how you ended up where you are now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, great to be here. So um, I'm Eric, as you probably uh, already mentioned. <laughs> uh, I live in the Netherlands. I've been born there, so I've lived here in my entire life. Um, when I was, I, I started to think about when I was, the, when was the first time that I actually did something with computers, the best, and I think it must have been an, an NES system, <laughs> so playing Mario, and um, yeah. that, that that got me hooked. Yeah, it, it, it was it was great, and also very frustrating because games were uh, relentless back then. Was, was that the you one didn't that you have save the, points, etc. Just in the top, go at it again, the, and the from NES the start. Okay. Well, it depends on whether you lived in the U.S. or the the rest of the the world, because there were actually two different versions. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yes, um, I, I think you open the slot in the in the front, and then you you put on the the, the discs or whatever the cartridges. And um, I, I really really love that. Um, we didn't have an NES, so but I had a couple okay. of friends that did. So uh, I went there regularly to play. And there were so many great games that I played and, and frustrating games, but uh, it was such a great, great thing. And then that sort of got me hooked. I think that's how many programmers get hooked with uh, uh, trying to be a programmer just by wanting to build a game. <laughs> Thought about uh, it. Which I've, I, uh, spoiler alert, I never did that. Yeah. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a game developer. Okay. No, no, no. But that was the reason why I started liking computers. And then um, uh, my dad had a, had an incident before I was born, so he was paralyzed below his shoulders. So he, he was in a wheelchair, and but he was always at home, so that was great. Uh, so I had a, a dad who was home twenty four seven, so uh, uh, it was always great to come home. And he also liked computers, so um, at some point he, I think I was maybe ten years old or something like that, he got. This this really uh, not so fancy computer. Uh, I think it was an X two eighty six. It was in black and white, and um, it had MS DOS installed on it, and you could play games. So um, there were so many games, um, and I got some uh, some some dads from my friends who who got me games, and they <laughs> you had to print out all the the sheets with the passwords to be ordered to actually boot up the games because it was password protection it was like the manual um you you, you can't get away with that right now but uh in, back in the day you could and um i i i love playing those games but i also love to sort of try and figure out how it worked 
and I broke my computer. I, I, I can't even recall how many times. So I had this help desk, which was a, a dad of a friend of mine who was really good with computers. <laughs> and whenever I had broken my system, I would call him and he would be very gracious and come over and, and help me fix my system. But uh, I, I still remember me being in, in panic mode when I was figured out that I, I, was, I couldn't was that the actually get out of this issue. I so, uh, having like but I learned a lot from that. So. On a floppy disk. And I and I remember saving up for this thing for for years, and then putting it in, and then it just would never mm-hmm. never load up with on those little floppy disks. Mm-hmm. So that was that was one of my massive frustrations. I don't think I ever got past the point of trying to figure out how to fix it. But um, was it kind of games came on floppy disks, and you had to like you got a little cartridge that you put them in and uploaded and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you had multiple uh, multiple floppy disks, mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was actually a, a great period, and um, I loved MS DOS and just figuring out what I could do. And, and, and then, so, so did your um, I figured did your out what I could then, do. So uh, uh, yeah, coming back it was to your really dad, cool. did, did she then work full time, um, and your and your dad was at home? Okay. No, my mom took care of my dad full time, so um, he he needed a lot of care. Um, so uh, he, he could move around at first with his hands, and later on he could do, use his chin because. Um, his hands started to degrade a bit, wow. so he had less control. Uh, but she took care of him full time. So my my parents were always at home. So for me, it was really yeah. weird to go to uh, other people where their parents were working. So it was the end of the day, and the parents were still not home. To yeah. me, that was and, really and you odd. Have but uh, that you, yeah, it's just a different situation. Well? Or was it just you? Okay. I do. I have one sister. Uh, she's three years younger than I am. Um, nobody would ever tell uh, that we're uh, siblings. Uh, we're so different. Um, but uh, uh, oh, that's good. I, I used to fight a lot with her, but now <laughs> yeah, we're that, that, we're totally fine. So uh, it, it, it ended up well. Okay. And she didn't like computers, so she wasn't, so wasn't like. like um, I, mean, I had a sister invading my uh, my computer time. Um, but we often fought about the computer. She wanted to play Sims and I wanted to play like SimCity or whatever. So we were always sort of at each other um, fr- from that perspective. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. definitely loved the SimCity choice a lot better. But uh, mm. uh, no, she never actually was interested in computers. Uh, I, I don't, the only way that I could get her interested was when I, I had a SNES, so the Super Nintendo, and we had Mario Kart. And she did, she did like Mario Kart, so we played a lot of Mario Kart together. Um, of course, I always won because I had far more practice, okay, so you, so but, you but she still liked it. So, you start messing around. Yeah. I mean, MS-DOS, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty low-level type situation. Yeah. So so, so that probably... Uh, pretty low-level, yeah. yeah. Sort of coding Absolutely low-level. going on there. And then how old were you when you were playing around with that, um, with that system? Um, yeah, that was about, I think, 10. And then um, I had a friend uh, who was in my soccer squad, or my football squad, basically, I should say. Um, but uh, he, he was already a, a good programmer, and he could actually uh, code games. And he did that in Visual Basic. Um, and I was completely stunned. So he, he would come over to my computer, and he would show that, hey, uh, he would be typing something, and I would I couldn't make any of it. But after a half an hour or so, he had something that was walking on the screen and was just completely magical to me. But um, 
I was just awestruck. Uh, but I never actually tried to program at that point. Uh, I still felt it was too hard for me to even try. Yeah. So I, I, so I didn't did do it. it. I, I just sort of yeah, messed around sorry. and played games. No, no, I'm, I'm just jumping And then when I was, was a little ask, bit like, older... How did the, how did the oh, connection get made between, oh, I can program the game and I can do this as something like full, full on, if that makes sense, or I can follow this in a more serious serious way? Um, yeah, that, that, that came later. Um, uh, so when I was about, I think, 17, I had to choose which path to take, basically. which. Uh, so I had two options in my mind. Mm. One was to study history, and the other was to do IT. Um, so I... Um, in the end, it was a, a fairly simple choice because I felt like IT would be something that I would uh, love to do a bit more than just doing history. And there might be very dull bits in history, and I didn't oh, really? think there would be dull bits in <laughs> computer sure? science, but there are, of course. Um, but so I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, well, we can go into that at a different time. But uh, yeah, there are boring bits. But uh, no, I, I made the choice then, um, and it was in the time where um, it was, everything was booming. So it was the, the, the dot-com boom. So um, when we were visiting uh, my high school, the school where I went, went to go to, which was a University of Applied Sciences. So um, I could choose between University of Applied Sciences and the university. Uh, but I liked the Applied Sciences because I want to build things. Um, I am um, not a great yeah. theoretician. I don't know how you say it, but... Um, mm-hmm. I'm not great with theory, um, so I like to build things. I'm, I'm very practical. Um, so I started with uh, doing the practical uh, bit, and I, I really like that. Um, and it was a period of, of all these uh, these companies making tons of money, and they would say, hey, once you're gradu- graduated, you, you'll, get a, you'll get a car, you get this, you get that. <laughs> I mean, and then when I, I graduated, it was the dot-com uh, yeah. bust. So uh, everything was uh, in shambles and it was actually quite hard to find a job. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I thought, felt like maybe I should just try university because um, the, you know, the applying sciences bit was a lot of fun. And uh, that's where I actually learned to program. But I thought, well, maybe I just postpone my work, uh, my work uh, career a bit and I'll just so, so in Holland, see if I can do it, the university. So. Um, so that was European nice. education system, as far as I understand, um, they, you kind of get triaged quite quickly in terms of, you know, practical, um, skill-based versus like university, um, maybe more down the academic um, pathway. Um, is, is that true in the Netherlands? Are they quite good at sort of saying, hey, you're really suited to this? I know in Switzerland, which is my frame of reference, really, um, if you're very good with your hands, you can they'll, they'll say, okay, cool, go and do an apprenticeship um, and, and get skilled that way. And it's actually just as, um, it, it's not regarded as any lesser or any more than, than you know, going to university or whatever. It's just more fitted to, to your preferences in that sense. Is that, is that true in the Netherlands as well? And, and, and was there that kind of process to go through as growing up i would not say that it was regarded as being equal there's still this idea that going to university and not doing the applied sciences university is better or um, harder or um, at least uh, more prestigious Uh, you also get a different title but um to me, that didn't really appeal much. Uh, it was just way too theoretical. And I, w- I wanted to learn yeah. how to program because I still hadn't learned 
to program. I knew I, I would probably like it. Mm-hmm. I had seen bits and pieces of HTML, but I've never actually written a line of code. Uh, but I, I was I was fairly certain that I would really like it. And um, when I started to do it, and uh, I, the first year I, I basically didn't even write a single line of code. It was just uh, lifting along with uh, some of my uh, fellow students in a group because one of them was actually a, f- a fantastic programmer who, who knew everything. So he sort of, he did everything. So I didn't even get the chance to do much. But in the second year, I made a conscious decision. This is not working out this way. I- I'll never learn how to program. So I went full on, uh, full in, <laughs> and I just programmed my uh, buttocks off. So uh, it was... Yeah, that was a deep dive. I, um, I started with C, uh, which was uh, it's, it's a horrible language to start with. Um, uh, I won't go into what I think of C as an actual language, but uh, to start out with, it's a very hard language. So doing a linked list in maybe lesson two or three, it's, it's definitely not something that you would appreciate as a student if you don't have any background. But, um, but I managed to, um, to, to program, and um, I liked it so much that I started doing... Um, programming in my spare time a lot so the way that i um that i taught myself almost to program yeah, because yeah. The, the the way that they taught it was really really bad is um to, to figure out something that i liked to build uh, to use myself and then build it or at least try to build it because at first you're just yeah. flailing around and you don't really get to do much uh, that's actually useful but in the end um just it's just practice, practice, practice. So I find that programming is a, um, a skill that you acquire just by doing. So you can get all the theory you like and watch, I don't know, 10 million videos. But if you don't actually put in the time, uh, I don't think you'll ever be a good programmer. It's just you have to do it. And, and that's a, it's a big step. I still remember being able to read code. I was yeah. quite pleased with that. And, and but then it, having to I mean, write so code, one of the that things was that's such been a big is, step. Uh, in the um, last couple of shows is asking when it kind of programming clicked for people. And uh, it, was there a moment for you where it was like the penny dropped and you were like, oh my word, this all makes sense. Um, had you been flailing around like trying to grasp the theory or was there a moment where you're like, oh, okay, no, this is, this is straightforward? I, I don't think I had a single Eureka yeah. moment. Um, I think I had several. So it, it comes in stages. Um, so I think that the, the first actual program that I wrote was um, where you had to guess a word. Was hangman, not like hangman. Um, what's the, the, the current Mastermind. game that's very popular yeah. where you get the... Okay. This, this, uh, well, it's like Hangman, but but let's say it's Hangman. But it was um, in C, and I actually got it to work so I could play my own game. So I, I sort of understood what was happening a bit, and then um, and then you, you, you progress a bit. And I had a, something called, it had to do with, I think, mutexes. So uh, there were trains, and they, they, they must not yep. crash. So you could use a mutex for when they uh, uh, intersect. And mutex is basically like a like a sign where that says stop or go. Uh, so uh, that was a lot of fun, and so I, I I was quite pleased with it. So I, I gave it to my professor, and he told me, "But what if I li- want to have like four trains?" Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, wow! I, I didn't think of that." So that 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 was like an eye opener, and it was just a simple one simple sentence. And I thought, "Oh, I should have been 
um, taking into account the fact that it might be the case that he would ask such a thing. So uh, I went and um, okay. spent the weekend trying to uh, parameterize my code so that you could have multiple trains and <laughs> I managed to get it um, Hack, I hacked it in. It, it wasn't pretty, but it but it, it did work. So um, that was another uh, moment where I thought, oh, this is really really cool. So, and it sounds I, I, like I can, you, I can when you say uh, you hacked these types hacked of things. So from, from knowing you, I know that, um, learn, and and also from having to learn to code, there's this process where you just put down anything, get it to work, and then and then refine it. Was that your experience as well? It was kind of like just just get yeah, it down, yeah, yeah. get it working. Who cares about anything else? And then refine it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the first year or so is just if it runs, um, I was very very happy. Uh, there was no such thing as aesthetics or something like that. It's just uh, if it runs, it's good. Uh, and um, I, I went completely overboard with uh, commenting my code uh, because my professors told me you have to comment your code and it was like the ratio <laughs> code, the code to comments was maybe uh, 1 to 10 like, or something like that was huge and uh, yeah yeah yeah, there's still my oldest project is still online that I put. Uh, that was yeah, my first was open my source project. So, um, do you remember diet. MSN Messenger, <laughs> where you up. could like send messages? Winamp. Okay, it so, rings a bell, but it's so not. Do like, you remember Winamp? Yes. Yeah. So, so Winamp was a, a media player. Mm -hmm. So you, that was the net, like in the Napster era. So you downloaded MP3 and then you you would play it via Winamp. So what I wanted to do was to, um, if I was playing a song, I wanted it to be automatically uh, appended to my name within Amazon Messenger. So, um, and I was quite keen on doing Windows programming back in the time. So that was Win32. It was very old-fashioned, not what we have right now, but very low-level and very cool stuff too. So I built a plugin in C++, uh, which was my favorite language back in the day, but I also knew three languages, so it didn't say much. But um, I built a plugin, so if, if Winamp was playing, it would get the, the name via uh, fancy Win32 APIs, and then it would update the name that you had in Amazon uh, window so everybody could see which number i was playing and i actually put that online because i thought maybe other people would like it i think it was on sourceforge um which is now um no longer being used by anybody because they've <laughs> i think they had some issues with um privacy or something like that but uh but, it, but actually other people in the world used it and i was so amazed i could see the downloads that i don't know a couple of hundred downloads and people were using my software that i wrote and it was like the best feeling ever and that was my first open source uh, uh program i never really had imposter syndrome yeah. um i felt that this is my code if somebody thinks it's bad it's fine um it, it works so i was happy with it um and I can learn yeah, from other no, people's good. comments. So um, I was never one for uh, imposter syndrome. No, that's, that's people cool. that know so, me so just, would not, um, uh, so then would not be surprised. Then to, your, to your experience of professors and teachers at university, were there any specific teachers that kind of stood out to you that, and, and the way that they taught that kind of accelerated how you learned or felt that had a massive impact in how you understood programming and coding? And, and what did they do specifically that allowed you to bridge the gap theoretically to practically um, implementing things? That's quite a big question. Um, you can break that up into as many pieces as you so wish. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. yeah, so I have to separate it between the, the applied sciences university and the university. So um, speaking of the latter first, um, on university, I think that the general level of um, the, the, the skills that somebody had to teach people, they were very, very low. Uh, it was a very low bar. Um, my feeling was that a lot of the, the people that taught on, in the university would actually do that because they had to, not because they wanted to. So. A lot of the time in the university, you, you want to do research, but there's a number of hours that you have to spend teaching yeah. people. Uh, otherwise, yeah, well, it's part of the job, but they didn't really like it. So um, uh, I wanted to learn how to program more after I've learned how to program. So I took the, the, the programming um, specialization there, but it was so bad. I was so um, almost angry that this was the level of... Uh, programming knowledge that they wanted to impart on me was just okay. such a, a, a bad thing that I, I actually switched to security yeah and i'm not really <laughs> into security but the programming stuff was so bad it's just um i always say i with the, my university um uh career the only thing that i really learned was how to do proper how to write articles how to do proper source research yeah. so that you know your sources and you don't just accept any source and um, that I did learn and, in and those do, years, but I, I didn't learn anything so what, about programming what you just at all. Now sounds very so much around history just, as well, like how you interrogate a source, how you you make sure that your argument lines up, all of that kind of stuff. How did the skills and the enjoyment of history? Yeah. How did they yeah. manifest in in your coding and learning to code, if if at all? Um, what were some of the crossovers there? Ooh. Oh, that's a hard question. Um, well, both involve uh, reading a lot. So you all, uh, history is about reading. and um, But also programming is about reading code. So the, uh, the number of times that you actually write code is far um, uh, less than the number of times you read in code. So it's, it's also uh, quite a lot like reading. Um, it, it can be a bit like being an archaeologist. If you have a new job and you uh, start out with uh, this, this ancient legacy system that you have to find your way around, it feels like you're, you're, you're yeah. peeking into nooks and crannies and see what's hidden there. And sometimes there are corpses that come out of closets, etc. And um, So it, it feels a bit like an exploration. Um, I mean, what did what did you enjoy about history? I like, don't know if there's any what other. The, what was um, the, where was the enjoyment in link. history for you? Mm. Mm. Um, mostly, the, well, the tales that they that my teacher would would tell. So, um, uh, pirates <laughs> they would tell about being um, dragged by a rope oh, underneath the, the ship, and they would be very graphic etc i like that stuff i really like that and i love the the romans and their culture and how they they spread out and it was just and the and also the the, the politics um so the the, the backstabbing etc i i I, the, I i so love that i also had latin in, in my high school I, I didn't care for Latin at all, but I so love the stories that they... So uh, I didn't like that I had to do Latin, but the stories that we had yeah, to translate, like, uh, those I did like. So, out of here. Uh, but I dropped it after two years. But. No, the reason the reason I asked that just around history yeah, was... Yeah, I know um, the story. So. so I've seen a number of people who, yeah. like the the more artsy, you, well, artsy or 
I don't know, social, social, what would we say? Maybe the, the more, yeah, maybe arts in, in, in the English framework it would be like arts and history and fall into that category. But, but I've increasingly seen people who are, who've enjoyed that kind mm-hmm. of space transitioning over to learning how to program. And, and the reason I'm interested is that there's clearly overlap mm. uh, and, and trying to map that out a little bit is, has been a, a hugely interesting part of the conversations that I've had with, with different people. Um, and it feels like if you can have a big picture and you can have a multidisciplined approach um, across the different things that you study, bringing that into programming is hugely beneficial um, because you're able mm-hmm. to, to apply different skills into the programming space. Um, and I think, yeah, no, that's just, I would just comment on that. Um, so it's interesting that you loved mm-hmm. history and now you have what over like experience in over 30 different programming languages uh, and you're maintaining a lot of those well not maintaining necessarily but you're heavily involved in managing uh, all yeah. of those on exorcism uh, yeah. which is your well yeah 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 jump in yeah can i get back a little bit on what you just said mm-hmm. so you mentioned that there are a lot of different um different types of people different interests are doing programming but i, I one of the reasons that i think that is the case is because programming appeals to both very um technically minded people because it's well there are strict rules languages are very fixed um there's grammar there's syntax there's all a lot of stuff that's really um that that appeals to people that like things in a certain way for example if you're a physicist you like rules you like laws etc and there are things like that in programming but it's also uh like an art and so sometimes people compare to writing a book and i still think that's probably one of the better uh, examples. That uh, uh, I don't like the, the building a house stuff because um, nobody, no house would get built if we would build our software uh, like building a house that we did. But um, but it it really is a, both a science and an art. I feel so. Um, you, uh, Jeremy mentioned this lately in the the dig deeper uh, stuff that. Um, with a very simple exercise people can come up with hundreds of different solutions even though you think hey there should only be one way to solve this but there there are always more than one ways and um, that's what i loved about programming that you could you could have something that works but then you can explore i don't know 20 other options and you could write and you see hey this this works too and um, it's this this combination of both being an art and a science that I, I really like because um, I think it's also the only way where I can actually be creative. I'm I'm not a creative person at all. Um, my I I have a left and right uh, hand, but you could tell you, you wouldn't tell if I would do something around the house like uh, uh, chores or uh, carpentry yeah. or whatever. Uh, I'm I'm not good at that, which is also because my father couldn't really teach me. Well, it's really um, interesting. You, you, but you also, mentioned but about I was really not thought about that because for me i I did art um at school so um i've done music i sort of play guitar or whatever and so for me the the framework that i have for creativity has always been in drawing or Mm -hmm. in music and stuff and i'd never really considered the the creative aspect of code and now that you mention it so how how does that play out for you like is it i mean do you play an instrument or you enjoy music. I know you enjoy music, but but I'm just trying to bridge that those two things. <laughs> well, um, mm-hmm. I do, I do. Yeah, so I I, I tried to learn the guitar. Um, uh, it was very hard on my wife because we were in a we were living in her uh, student um, yeah. flat, and it was maybe twenty square uh, 
meters. So I was trying to learn the guitar, and we were so close to each other. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I'm still amazed that she put up with it. Uh, but I don't have, I don't, I don't have any. Um, innate talent for doing an instrument um i had to work really 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 hard to get um to a, a certain level which was really low still um i i could do um tempos etc that i could do fine but um at, at one point my my guitar teacher asked me to improvise and then to do soloing and i was absolutely lost i i couldn't for the life of me so, do so it. when you come uh, to like there's just no so, so musical about creativity, creativity in with like me. coding Unlike so when you. you come to coding like a fresh, say, say you get a brief from Jeremy or a feature request in Exorcism and it's like, we're going to do X, Y, or Z. Does that really kind of invigorate you mentally? Mm-hmm. And do you kind of feel like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Let's really explore this and, and, and enjoying, uh, and do you enjoy that process? Is, is that really what you feel like you come alive uh, in one sense? Um. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the programming is uh, having an idea and making it um, be something. You're you're sh- you're almost like uh, like this miniature god, like yeah, where you you start out with nothing, you have an idea, and then poof, there is something, and it's just so so magical. And I I still feel very uh, very giddy when I have a script and there's like all this text that that's line by line, and you see it just doing stuff and it's so fun to see the computer working for you based on what you said it should do um i still like it and um so the creativity aspect is definitely um also in already exploring which way uh you're going to try and build something and then once you've built it um you've probably heard of the 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 refactoring cycle where you have something that works and then you start to iterate it on and see if you can make it better. And I, I absolutely adore refactoring. Uh, there's one of the books there is, uh, where is it? Oh, um, I, I can't see it because it's way out of the camera, but it's refactoring by Martin Fowler. Um, and it's one of my, uh, my better, uh, experience reading about, um, software. So I so love refactoring. It's just, the process that you you have something that works, but you can make it even better or prettier, faster, whatever your criterion is, and that's also why I really loved Exorcism because it's it's built for that. You you solve tests and then you can you have a test harness and you can do whatever with your code. And as long as it's green, oh, cool. it's still so it works. Okay. This so, is, I, I, I'm really um, yeah, I really like that. So when so I'm gonna keep pegging it back to sort of different timelines um so now you you've done you're at university you've learned how to code you've really kind of said right i'm I'm committed to this process of learning i'm going to deep dive into this so what happened then from that point of like really committing into that uh and Mm -hmm. then starting to probably think about career and you know that's always a big part of the process of being at university is like what am i going to be doing for the rest of my life what how did that pan out like what was your thinking around that what kind of opened up in front of you I, I never actually considered my career. Uh, I don't think I've ever done that in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I really care for is doing something that I like to do and um, yeah. that it, that is near to me so that I don't have to drive a lot. So I, I don't like driving a lot. But um, no, I've, I've never, I never actually considered my career and I've also been incredibly lucky. I, I've basically never had to apply for a job except for maybe once or twice. I've always had... Mm-hmm. 
um, friends or people that knew me. Or same with exorcism. Jeremy knew me. And he, I, I didn't have to apply, go through, I don't know, four or five different well, interview stages like you had to. <laughs> uh, maybe even more for you, by the way. But uh, I, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I know. But, uh, but I, I didn't have any. So uh, uh, and it was the same when I was uh, looking for a job. So I was always, I was always working uh, uh, next to when I was learning um, at school, even in high school, I was always trying to earn a bit of money because uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so I, I had to earn my uh, my own share. Uh, but I loved working, and I I think I worked uh, maybe twenty hours uh, in a in a programming job while I was doing university because we had so little actual time that we had to spend within the university that I could earn quite a bit of money <laughs> to decide. And you still got it. I, I bought this huge DVD collection from that. You still but, have the uh, DVD collection. Uh, let's not go into that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry? Um, I've actually um, gave away most of it and I kept the ones that I have um, very, very fond memories of. Oh, wow. But uh, I, I gave away like most of it. I had a week uh, of per- four or five hundred DVDs at some point. Just Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. It was close to that. It was close to that, yeah. Um, but I, I uh, so while I was at university, a friend of mine, it's the same one uh, that was uh, the, the programmer back in the days when I was 10 or something like that. Uh, he did the university with me. And uh, he was in a job and he asked me, hey, you want to join this company f- um, to earn a bit of extra money? Uh, so I did. And then I... Uh, uh, I stayed there basically once I was done with my university. They asked me if I wanted to do a PhD, but um, but I, I read that as uh, you found something interesting in your PhD, which was pure luck, by the way. I did the work, but it was luck. Uh, so, um, mm-hmm. but I read that as hey, we want to get our names on something that you will be writing, so that we get a publication. Uh, so I wasn't up for that, uh, and I didn't want to do four years of I don't know theoretical stuff. And just the whole academic world didn't really appeal to me. I was much more comfortable just doing practical stuff within a, a company. So uh, I just stayed where I was working um, uh, to the side. So I, I it was PHP and uh, we had a great team. I, we, I think, uh, except for maybe now our current team, we, I never worked in such a diverse and, and, and very uh, capable team but we were led uh, by management and was so bad <laughs> there was such a disgruntled tech uh, uh, environment there it's just it was not good but I still had a lot of fun uh, but PHP is not my favorite language so um, I was uh, keen on C Sharp I've been a C Sharp fan from when it was still C Sharp 1.0 so it was quite rough uh, around the edges back then. Uh, I ordered books from uh, America and I had to pay some additional tax and it was quite expensive in the end, but I still really, really um, uh, used that book a lot. And then I said, I want to do C Sharp for a, for a job. So not just on the side. And I applied. Actually, it's also on, uh, for the university, but it's not doing uh, research or anything like that. It was like... Uh, um, yeah. okay, well, cool. support more for the uh, the different parts oh, wow. of the university. That's cool. And, and uh, then, I did and so C-Sharp for seven years or so. Because you, uh, uh, just tell me yeah. the story there. Because you, you started as a volunteer or as a um, contributor, right? And then you've kind of yeah. built up from there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So while I was working at university, um, they were very liberal with allowing you to do um, uh, to study things or to do go to um, conferences, etc. So at one point, I had heard of something called functional programming, and I thought, hey, I don't know about this. I, I knew they they taught one optional lesson uh, at, at university, but I didn't actually do anything with it. And I thought maybe I should be learning functional programming. Maybe it will be fun. And I got a, another colleague of mine who wanted to join. So we did a, a free course, a Scala course on Coursera. Um, you have to pay uh, uh, if you do it right now. But uh, back in the days, you, you didn't have to. And it was taught by um, Martin Ordesky, who is the author of uh, mm-hmm. uh, Scala, uh, which is a functional language that we also have on Exorcism. And I... Uh, I, I had a lot of fun learning uh, function programming. It was also quite a bit of a, uh, yeah. um, a mental struggle at times because it's a really different way of thinking about things. Uh, but I sort of, um, I, I persevered and I, I really liked it. And there was this forum where you could discuss with other students, uh, for example, exercises that you weren't able to solve. But some people asked, uh, what uh, what research can I be using if I want to learn more about Scala? And somebody mentioned, hey, try exorcism. They have this uh, amazing thing where you get to do a lot of different exercises and they're like small puzzles. And I thought, hey, this sounds good. So I joined and I did the Scala track and I, I really learned a lot. And that was my, um, I, I dipped my toes into the world of functional programming. So I thought maybe do the deep dive. And I uh, went to Haskell and that was a really deep dive for me at the time. But there were a lot of... Um, it was Exorcism V1. So um, just people would comment on your code. There was no formal mentoring system or anything like that. But the, the Haskell people were absolutely wow. fantastic. So they, I, I basically learned Haskell from them. Um, I did a lot of Googling and found some um, really uh, odd uh, solutions. I made some odd solutions, but they would always try and guide me towards something that was idiomatic Haskell and, and nice and it was it was such a great experience that I thought hey I should probably be doing this myself to other people uh, maybe I can help too uh, I've always liked helping um, so I thought I'll, I'll do C sharp and I'll just comment on other people's C sharp code um, so I liked that and then I saw that hey um, the C sharp has I don't know, 40 exercises in Haskell has more. Why is that? So I tried to figure out why that is. And uh, hey, you could submit pull requests to uh, exorcism and add new exercises. And that that was the thing that, that got me hooked. And then I was just doing exercises every single weekend, adding them. And then when I was done with C-sharp, I thought, hey, F-sharp, let's do F-sharp. F-sharp is functional and it's in the Microsoft ecosystem. So I'm, I'm, I, I like both of them. So let's combine my... Uh, my favorite things and I did F sharp and I did the same thing. So I was an F sharp maintainer wow. building so exercises so you, and I, I, I really, like, really loved it. Okay. You, you have a language, you're like, okay, I'm going to try Scala. I sort of got my teeth into that. And then you went for the deep dive in that. Now did, did the time that it took for each yeah. language to understand it, did that reduce over time? Because now you've got a number of them. I mean, how, how did that play out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that works the same way with natural languages. So if you learn French and you know French well, then picking up Spanish will be a lot easier because there's so much shared uh, knowledge, shared vocabulary, um, dialects almost. So it's the same with computer programming. So if you know C and you're moving to C++, Mm -hmm. 
there are a lot of new concepts, but there is also a lot of stuff that's exactly the same. So um, the entire C-like family, um, so which is also <laughs> one of the things that I like about programming that you have, you have like family trees. So there's a there's a Lisp branch, there's an ML branch, there's a C-like branch. It's you can just and then and you have it's, the it's almost like, like history outlier, where you have this genealogy cousins, like, uh, in a in a family tree or something <laughs> like that. Don't say that too loud. Yeah, yeah that's Haskell. <laughs> or Prolog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I love those outliers too because they have unique ideas. That's what I uh, usually want to um, mm-hmm. try. So uh, find a language that does something differently. Uh, even though mm-hmm. all programming languages share a lot of the same knowledge. They all have Boolean logic. And Boolean logic is just a fixed, it's a given, so it works the same everywhere you might want to need to do um, two ampersands or you do and as a as a word or something like that but the the basics are still the same so once you've got those basics uh, um well um, you know them well you can apply to other languages more easily who learn to code and you take your own experience into consideration what are some of the behaviors and the things that people do in order to to learn to code and i'm sure there's crossover in a lot of different disciplines and i mean you mentioned sort of just you committed and you just like deep dived and you just wrestled that thing until you understood it are there any other kind of behaviors or or things that people do who you've mm-hmm. seen who you like yeah they they put themselves in a position to to learn really well um so, so, so my I've always tried to encourage people to build something that they would like to build. So um, um, when I was learning PHP, I built something that uh, kept track of the IMDb top 250 movies that I've seen. So um, I was watching a lot of movies, so I wanted to check every single one of those movies. And uh, I learned uh, a lot of PHP and MySQL from that just by building something that I wanted to build because then you persevere. You, you, if you hit a roadblock, you, you, you want to uh, not stop, but you want to continue. You want to fix it. You want to have it work. And um, I've given that, that, the tip to several people that have started to learn to program and it has worked well for them. Um, and, and nowadays it's, it's so different than when I was learning to cope with uh, Stack Overflow, etc. There's right so numbers. much knowledge <laughs> that you can find online. It's also hard to find the right resources. So that's where I think that exorcism can really shine because um, we can be uh, gatekeepers almost. Like uh, we have people in our community that know what the right resources are. And um, mm. that's that's one thing that I, I see new people struggling with. So, um, and also that there's this, it's, it's, you almost never get resources where you actually start from scratch. You're usually the exorcism audience is you know one language at least, and so and then you move on to other more languages or, or dig deeper into that language. But it's not for people that don't have any programming background, so you don't know what a for loop is, you don't know what variables are, uh, strings are something completely different in your uh, mind. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I always get weird looks if my yeah, wife sees that I'm talking about strings. Um, it's it's a different thing so, here in so the now like, so. Okay, we've got some interesting questions uh, that I wanted to <laughs> ask you as well. So one of the things that we've, we've talked about in a, in a bunch of different um, shows is this whole concept mm-hmm. of the hill that you would die on in tech. So obviously, tech is... Well, this I'm going to make some massive generalizations here. But the 
in the last couple of years, it's probably true that more and more people have <laughs> become aware of coding and programming. And in the past, there was probably a smaller number of people who kind of knew how to navigate in that space. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as this industry is growing and growing and growing at, at quite a swift pace, mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of opinions and you know people still working their way and trying to find out where they sit on, on certain things and certain topics. So this whole concept of the hill that you would die on is basically what opinion do you hold that you would really fight for or defend uh, in in a healthy way, obviously. Um, but what is the one thing that you would defend and you would you would like peg <laughs> down and be like, I'm not moving from this point. And and you have to defend it, but what would that be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I have a lot of those opinions, but I I, I think the one that that uh, I would. Um, like to explain here is that you should be learning more languages than you already know so try out new language that you don't know and try out language that you that are very different from what you already know so it's it's very easy so if for example if you know um, i don't know c sharp to so just stay with c sharp and and that's fine but if you um, manage to find the time and the and the will to try something else for example f sharp or um, I don't know. Try try Kotlin. Just do something different and see what are the differences. You'll be a much better programmer. I am absolutely one hundred percent confident that that um, me learning F sharp has made me a better C sharp programmer. Even though they are different languages and they they have different philosophies, mm-hmm. but um, there is so much overlap between languages nowadays. It's um, when languages were still quite young, there, uh, for example, Lisp looks nothing like C. But uh, so functional languages were very different from imperative languages. But modern languages like like C sharp, like Java, like Kotlin, they like Rust, for example, they take uh, inspiration from other languages too, but also functional languages. So. Um, when I was in university, it was always like the running gag was, oh, functional programming is great, but nobody's doing it. So, um, but that's no longer true. Um, so uh, even though you might not be working in a functional language, mm-hmm. functional language is, is everywhere. Um, JavaScript has a lot of functional concepts. C Sharp, uh, there's advanced pattern matching, there's link, there's, there's so much functional stuff. Mm-hmm. And what you're seeing is that languages are borrowing concepts uh, all over the place. So um, it's, it's not as um, clear cut what language is a functional language and what language is just an imperative language. It's more of a mismatch now. Uh, but um, I still think that there is a lot to gain if you start learning a new language. Um, some people said learn a new language every year. I try to do that. I, I can imagine that that would be annoying for people and they would be overwhelmed. But try at least one different language and and try and have it be a language that's slightly out of your comfort zone. And I, I promise you, you, you learn stuff. You'll learn a lot and you'll become a better programmer in general. Do, do you foresee and also for your future, language that you're already uh, working with. Obviously, people are making new languages to meet a specific need. And so you're saying the imperative and the functional kind of the two kind of merging up a little bit. Do you ever mm-hmm. see a situation where languages are going to fall away and we're going to let be left with a couple of kind of core languages or is that is that naive no no i think there are way to uh, uh opinionated for that so there will always be new languages um there will be new languages every single day um which is fine 
but uh, there, there will be trees shaking. There will the popular ones will in the end they will probably persevere. Uh, so I don't see Java or C sharp going away anytime soon. But um, for example, uh, C or C have always been mm. massive languages. But uh, we now see Rust, which is like a new take on trying to address the, the same issues, but with more safety so built-in safety and it's a, it's an it's a fan, fantastic language that i actually should be learning more about but um it's interesting to see that the that rust is now slowly making its way into um the same um for the, the people are starting to use it instead of c or c plus um which is a very good thing uh, i think personally but uh, for example in linux you can now write your drivers in Rust. So uh, it used to always be C++, but they now uh, support doing drivers in Rust. So that was uh, quite a big step. Um, um, so I think there will still be languages because it's it's you can't make a language that, that suits every single purpose. Um, um, so that's also one of the things why I think you should be learning multiple languages because... Um, different situations ask for different uh, languages. So you can try and... It's like the treating a... Uh, what is it? Yeah, the, yeah. A, a hammer like a... Uh, I, like no, a saw. I don't, I don't know. know. What is the, head, the expression? Saying it's like, okay, you need a saw, but you only have a hammer. What are you going to do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's a nail, I think it's with, with a nail and a hammer. Something like that. But... Uh, uh, I'm not a good at proverbs in, in English, but um, I'll not bother you with the Dutch version. But it's basically, if you only know C-sharp, and there's maybe a temptation to use C-sharp for everything, but uh, you, there might be better languages for doing systems programming or, I don't know, um, AI um, than C-sharp. Even though you can do it in C-sharp, it doesn't mean that you should. Um, so uh, if you know more languages, you probably be uh, better suited to making a, a good choice. Um, that's, cool. that's more suitable to the domain no, that you are that's working fantastic. in. Okay, so, uh, so it's fun and it's useful. Eric, um, with regards to the exorcism community, what recommendation would you give the exorcism community this week that you should strongly suggest they should try out? And it could be from anything. It can be, you know, go for a walk, try a handstand, I don't know, eat, eat sushi. Okay, you can, and you can have more than one if you want. You can, you can get. I know already like what three. I'm going to say. So you can have three recommendations. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, the 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 one that's that springs to mind is uh, to uh, to check out the dig deeper tab that we now have. So we've started to uh, we added the new feature dig deeper where you can. Once you've solved an exercise, or at least once you've iterated on it, you can see um, approaches, mm -hmm. which is uh, the different ways in which an exercise can be solved. And that's basically how uh, everybody was learning in exercise, exercise V1, uh, compared uh, with the added comments, is by looking at other people's code and seeing how they solved it. So that's how I learned Haskell a lot, uh, apart from my mental comments. Just seeing, oh, you can do it like this. And then you, you would try it out yourself and you would say, hey, oh, this is really elegant and I can do more stuff with it. And then can apply this to other exercises. So 
um, being able to find these uh, different ways of, of doing stuff um, th- that sort of harkens back to uh, the, the art almost of the programming, the way that you can solve things in different ways. So there are these different approaches. So um, I've, I've written uh, articles and approaches on um, the reversing of a string. So that's one of the basic interview questions that you get with uh, IT interviews. Uh, how do you reverse a string? And in C-sharp, there are a couple of different idiomatic ways, but they are different and they have different performance characteristics. And one of them is really, uh, really into performance, but it's less readable. Uh, so I, I like that you, uh, on the website, you can then, yeah. once you've solved it in a certain way, you can see, hey, there are other ways too. And these are the benefits of doing it like that. And these are the trade-offs. And uh, it's these, um, not only that you can see the different approach, but also we try to write an introduction document where uh, we help you choose between them. So um, there are always trade-offs in IT. There's never a solution that's well, almost never that's Dang it. just <laughs> the best. So you can always write things in a different way. So um, it's often, yeah. Mm. So the most readable solution is not always the, the best performing one. So um, uh, helping you with making the trade-offs, uh, the, understanding the trade-offs and making a choice between different approaches. That's also that we, something that we try to do with the Dig Deeper tab. So um I, and I've been writing them in my my spare time now. I, I have so much fun just writing up this 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 information and just sharing it with people. So mm-hmm. um, I would really encourage people to try out either writing them or or just reading uh, approaches. Um, I know not every single exercise has them. Uh, we, we've just started out with this feature uh, a week ago, so we'll be f- fairly limited to um, a couple of C sharp exercises, but we will expand on this greatly and. We take uh, community uh, PRs for uh, these types of things, and I'll, I'll glad to help you write the and get this over the line. And you can share uh, your knowledge of your language. So um, I think that's uh, one thing that people yeah. always like. If if they like a language, they they would like others to like it too. So cool. approaches okay, are so a very nice way of showing off what your language can tab. do. Go check uh, it out. Yeah. Have you got any any others uh, for this week? Um, um, well, uh, I, I, with the risk of sounding a very much exorcism-minded person, is uh, I really like the exorcism forum. So um, one thing that in my career I've found is that it's really hard to find a tech-minded mm. uh, community of people that are that are that is a safe space almost where you can discuss things without trying. Um, um, Having other people make you feel either stupid or getting into arguments or be combative. Uh, so I, I really like how we're trying to, uh, with the, the forum, make this a very safe and uh, a happy place for people. But also something, uh, a place where you can meet up with um, uh, very good programmers. So people that are uh, very skilled and they have uh, great insights into their languages or into the program space. Um, and it's... Um, I really enjoy just reading what other people um, have written. There's a there's a thread on what are your favorite programming books. So, um, and I've already put some books on my my uh, my short list of books to read because yeah. there's just yeah you don't come across every yeah. single book. Oh, that's uh, a really other people's that's a great thread. Then you can use the, really the wisdom of the, the crowd. The depth that people are going into on that on that thread, and I'm sure there's going to be some real gold that we can extract from from that. But um, mm-hmm. no, that's that's really cool. Eric, I think if you want to have one more recommendation, I'll, I'll, you're welcome. 
but otherwise we'll um, we'll start uh, just uh, pulling things in a little bit. But um, any any further thoughts or comments yeah, that's that you'd like to, to share? <laughs> no, not really. Okay. I, 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 won't, I won't put you on the spot then. So. In, in that case, too much. But but Eric, thank you so much for for this for this time. Uh, it's been really cool just to hear your story, just to hear how that's um, crossed over into tech. I specifically really enjoyed um, hearing a little bit about history, and maybe that's something you might want to think about uh, and and share a little bit further about how history and coding and all of that kind of overlap um, at some point. But um, Thank you so much. Uh, it's awesome having you on, on team and I've definitely and will continue to learn a huge amount from you. Uh, big shout out to you because you've, you've passed 100,000 rep points on the Exorcism website. I know you'll say that there's the reason that you did that is, is because you cheated, but, but that's yeah. still a, a, we'll just take it as a, as a remarkable um, achievement anyway. So, so yeah. thank you so much. And, um, yep. If you are listening to this okay. and you haven't come across exorcism, go check out exorcism. Uh, and I'm sure you'll find Eric somewhere along the line in that space. Um, but Eric, thank you. Uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, I will pause this recording and we can just touch base off the back of that, uh, off the back of this, but, um, thank you for your time. And uh, I hope you've 